More than 35 million COVID shots have now been distributed or in a way administered around the world. What does this mean really? Well, it is at least growing hopes that the light at the end of the tunnel is in sight. I'm Bruce Aliopati. Join me as in this episode of Roosecast, we'll be taking a look at vaccine politics around the world. So let's begin. The United States has vaccinated approximately 3% of its total population, while the United Kingdom is nearly at a solid 5% vaccination rate. In Israel, out of all places, which has been recognized as a vaccine success story, almost 24% of people have already received at least one dose of a COVID vaccine. That is pretty good, people. Mazel tov. But while many countries are able to, in a way, glimpse the outlines of this post-COVID world, there's a huge group of people who are being left out entirely. Think about it. Refugees, displaced people, undocumented, stateless people around the world remain ineligible for vaccination. So let's take a look at some of these cases where really powerless people are being left with no vaccination or support. Let's start with Latin America. Colombia's Venezuelan migrant dilemma. Yes, the dire economic and political crises under the Maduro regime in Venezuela has plunged 65% of households in poverty and caused widespread food and medical shortages. At least 1.7 million desperate Venezuelans have spilled over into neighboring Colombia in a way putting a massive pressure on Colombia's already weak public infrastructure. Just recently, in fact, the Colombian president said that those who do not have formal migration status will not have access to the Colombian vaccine program, meaning around 935,000, almost a million Venezuelan refugees will be ineligible for the shot. The Colombian president also claimed that policy is directed at prioritizing the well-being of the Colombian uh, uh, in front of the outbreak and avoiding a rush on the border as more Venezuelans protest to get the vaccine. But the truth is the public health experts say that uh, the move isn't just a humanitarian failure, but is also a medical one because that will in a way hinder Colombia's efforts to root out the virus because a successful vaccine drive in a way should be as broad as possible. Here's a second case. Israel avoids responsibility to Palestinians. While Israel has been broadly praised uh, for its ambitious vaccine drive, now leading the world's in COVID vaccination per capita by a huge, I mean long shot. At this rate, the government, in a way, in Israel, aims to vaccinate the entire population. Yes, you heard me right. The entire population of 9 million by the end of March. A remarkable, uh, in a way, feat as vaccine rollout remains sluggish around North America and Europe. But Israel's vaccine drive excludes millions of Palestinians living in the occupied West Bank as well as Gaza Strip. Through the Strip, which is run by the Islamic Hamas militant group and obviously not the internationally recognized Palestinian Authority. Well, Israeli officials are saying that the Palestinian Authority president, Mahmoud Abbas, has not in a way reached out to them for assistance with vaccine procurement. Well, think about it. 
this is an odd justification for inaction during, in a way, once in a generation global health crisis. They are, in a way, arguing that under the terms of Oslo Accords, the de facto law of the land, the Palestinian Authority oversees healthcare for its own people. By the way, Arab citizens of Israel are, in fact, being vaccinated. But the, in a way, application of these laws, international laws, is kind of murky. While the Oslo Accords gave the Palestinian Authority responsibility in the West Bank and Gaza, the Fourth Geneva Convention states that an occupying power like Israel has a clear responsibility to assist those living under its occupation, the Palestinians. Under Israeli's current vaccine system, millions of Palestinians in the West Bank, many of whom work in Israeli cities, are being left behind. Think about it. Here's the third category, undocumented migrants here in the United States. In fact, Nebraska's Republican governor just recently sparked a firestorm when he said undocumented migrants would be ineligible for COVID vaccines in his states. Well, the governor doubled down even on uh, critics pointing out that 11% of Nebraska's meat processing workers who have been, in a way, uh, pummeled by COVID-19 are in fact undocumented. Well, similar conversations have also been playing out in other states like New York, home to at least 750,000 undocumented migrants, likely probably an undercount, but roughly around a million, who are disproportionately represented in essential jobs. Well, the federal government recently, in a way, was trying to make a new requirement mandating that states report the personal details of all vaccine recipients, information that could then be passed on to U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement. However, after the government flip-flop, in a way, it's unclear whether undocumented New Yorkers who fear arrest and deportation will now feel safe to show up for vaccination. Well, not enough vaccines. That's an, another argument, leaving behind the most defenseless populations, both within their own country's borders and in their adopted ones, is not only a moral, uh, morally questionable, but it is a bad public health policy as the world tries to, in a way, go to COVID zero status. But there is a very basic constraints here for all of the politicians involved. There are fewer vaccines than people. And now elected leaders could agree to vaccinate non-citizens before citizens, could they? Well, that's a political question with a big political answer. When will we return to a pre-pandemic normal normal by achieving COVID-19 herd immunity? That's a good question. Well, it's a question everybody's asking. Well, that depends on where you live. While a host of wealthy nations like the United States, EU countries, Canada, you name it, stockpiled vaccines and have already started rolling them out, are planning for a post-COVID recovery in the near term, the bulk of middle-income states and countries will have to wait many months until the vaccine is rolled out to larger swaths of their populations. While most developing nations, meanwhile, as well as countries that will only get drugs through the global COVAX facility and platform, may still be living with COVID-19 for three, yes, unfortunately, you heard me right, 
three more years, according to predictions by the Economist Intelligence Unit. Yes, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but today's vaccine politics around the world is making that tunnel a bit bumpy.